fix. We'll start there, and we're going to start a new series this morning about prayer, and I'm excited about it. But we're going to start in Ephesians 6, and we're going to go to verse 18. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Classic, and this has got to kind of be the theme verse for this series. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, the Amplified. It says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season. So how many know it's always a good time to pray? Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. But notice what it says at the beginning. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season. So if you're taking notes today, this new series and the title of my message today is A Life of Prayer. A Life of Prayer. Everybody say, A Life of Prayer. So thinking about prayer this morning, we just finished a series on revival, and revival and prayer of course, go together. There will be no revival without prayer. And thinking about prayer in our Bible that we read about, personally, God has been speaking to me about this in our church. And I really felt strongly that I needed to preach a series about prayer. I was thinking about this the other day, and I realized God corrected me because I was thinking, you know, I know that people... There's some people in our church that pray. I could list them. I, I could list some of the people I know are praying. But as a church, I can feel it that people aren't praying. And I'm very aware of if people don't have a life of prayer, if people don't have a, a personal relationship with God in a personal prayer life, they're never going to get to the place they pray for others or they pray for their church or they pray for their pastor, or they pray for the world, if they don't even have a regular relationship and ongoing fellowship with God himself. So we need to start there before we ever start, start talking about interceding or the deeper things of prayer or praying for your church or praying for your pastor or praying for the lost or praying for other people. You need to pray yourself for yourself. You need to pray to just talk to God and have a relationship with God. So there's a reason why I'm preaching about this this morning, and, and I'm very excited about it because we just came out of preaching about revival and prayers coming right after it, and they're, and they're connected together. But I realized this because I was thinking about, I just don't feel like people are praying in our church. I know they're specific people, but they're not praying. And God said, because you didn't teach them about praying. Thanks, God. Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Because you cannot have faith for something you're not hearing about. And I cannot blame you as your pastor for not praying if I never teach you about it. If I never talk about it. If I never emphasize it. And really in the past four or five years that I've been preaching every Sunday morning, I will mention prayer, but I haven't talked a whole series about prayer. 
And so God corrected me, your pastor, and said the reason people aren't praying and don't have a prayer life or a life of prayer like they should is because you haven't taught them, Jordan. You haven't preached to them because they can't have faith for something they don't hear about. Dr. Summerall said this. He said, you get what you preach for in your church. So if you preach about healing in your church, you will have a healing church. If you preach about prosperity in your church, you will have a prosperous church. If you preach about being filled with the Spirit in your church, you will have a Spirit-filled church. You will get what you preach on. So if you don't preach about prayer, you will not have a praying church. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So there's one of the reasons I'm preaching to you about this because God corrected me and said I cannot blame you or myself for things that I haven't talked about or I haven't studied myself and he says that our church to go to where it needs to go and for you to become the believers you're called to be prayer has to be the most vital part of it it's the most important thing and sometimes we take it for granted in a church setting because we assume that everyone prays. And we assume that everyone knows about prayer. And most people don't. That's why they don't do it. Because they don't know what they're doing. Or, or they, they think it's boring because no one has ever taught them the significance of prayer. So they don't understand it. But personally, I want to tell you this morning, I want to be a better person of prayer. I want to learn more. I want to grow more. I want to expand more. I want to experience more in my prayer life. And if I want that, I want that for you too. You know, something funny, you know, they used to talk about, uh, dad talked about prayer so much he prayed about his prayer life. But you know, one of the things that has made dad the man he is, I wrote down several things, dad, Dr. Jacobs, all these years, I could say, well, he's a man of faith. He's a man of faith. He believes God no matter what. I've seen him experience friends and family dying. I've seen him experience physical issues. I've seen him experience financial situations. And the answer is always, we are going to believe God. We are going to get on the other side of this because he's a man of faith. He's also a man of the word. He reads the Bible all the time. He has Bibles in his bedroom, in his bathroom, in the kitchen. He puts his Bible beside him on the couch like they're watching shows together. Not joking. His Bible is always with him. He's a man of the word. He doesn't have to look for his Bible. His Bible is always with him like his blankie. It's with him all the time. But I would say another thing, dad is a man of prayer. And that is the reason he's become the man of God he is, is because he prays. That's the reason there is a church sitting here called Church on the Rock, because he's a man of prayer. There's a reason there's hundreds of people here today, because he's a man of prayer. There's a reason he has sons and daughters all over this country who are pastors and leaders as well, because he's a man of prayer. And you got to realize that every great man and woman of God who did anything significant for God was a person of prayer. 
Now, when I say every great man and woman of God, you're thinking a ministry person. No, I'm saying everybody. Whether they preached behind a pulpit or just lived a Christian life and did something significant for God, they were a man and woman of prayer. That's not just for the pastors and leaders. That's for all of you. If you're going to do anything significant for God and to get his strength and his wisdom and his direction for your life, you're going to have to be a person of prayer too. Because every great man and woman of God was a person of prayer. Because prayer is your greatest connection with God. Prayer is where you get your strength from God. Prayer is where you get your power to live your new life for God. Prayer is where you get your direction and the wisdom for your life from God. So prayer is your greatest connection with God. Let's look back at Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Machine, could you turn on some more air? It's as low as it can go. Well, looks like we're going to start taking off clothes while we're up here. So <laughs> maybe I just need to get a fan blown at me or something. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To the end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding. In behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. But notice it says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season. You realize that prayer should be as consistent and as natural to us as breathing is. I love this Martin Luther, who was a great church reformer, said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no, no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer to us spiritually is the same way breathing to us is in the natural. Because prayer is our connection to God. Prayer is where we get the life of God. Prayer is where we get the power of God. We get the direction from God. But prayer should be as consistent and natural to us as breathing is. That's why it says pray at all times. In every season, in every occasion, it's always a good time to pray. Prayer should not be our last resort. It should be our first response. We shouldn't do everything we can in the natural and then say, I guess we could pray about it. Have you heard people say that before? It's like it has to get to an emergency level for us to say, maybe we should pray about it because I did everything in the natural and then the doctor said there's no answers anymore. I guess we should pray about it. No, prayer should be your first response. To everything, on every occasion, in every season. Not our last resort when we try to figure it out ourselves and we can't figure it out. And it's like, I guess I can't pay the bills now. I guess we could pray about it. Well, the relationship is to the point that there's no return. I guess we should pray about it. No, prayer should be first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And it says to pray at all times. In every occasion, in every season. And that's what a life of prayer is. Let's look at Luke 18 and verse 1. Luke 18 and verse 1. 
Now, this is Jesus. It says, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that you should always pray and to never give up. You should always pray and never give up. Jesus said himself that we should be always praying. Just like we're always breathing, we should be always praying. Let's look at another verse, 1 Thessalonians 5. 16 and 18. Now these verses are all saying the same thing. We should have a life of prayer. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. But let's look at the passion translation of these verses. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. So we got Jesus saying we should always pray in the Gospels. We should have a life of prayer. We got the apostles in the book of Ephesians and Thessalonians saying that we should pray at all times. Pray consistently. Pray at all times in every season, in every occasion. Praying always with all different types of prayer. All of these verses are saying that your life should be a life of prayer. And that's what I want to emphasize to you this morning. And this is going to be a really foundational message for the rest of the series. We need to start with this before we go on to different types of prayer. Or different kinds of prayer. Or different things that we could get into the deeper things of God, we got to get the foundations right first. We got to get the simplicity of prayer down first and realize that prayer, prayer should be something that we do always. We do constantly. We never give it up. We continue to do it from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep. We should live a life of prayer. Now, I'm going to explain this more as we get into the message. But we've been taught to have a prayer life, not a life of prayer. I'm going to explain to you what I mean by that. We've been taught a prayer life, which means that you segregate God into a little box in your day. So I have a prayer life. That's the 15 minutes in the car in the morning. That's my prayer life. But you're not open to God speaking to you the rest of the day. You're not talking to God the rest of the day. Now, this is good, but it's a really narrow way to see your prayer life. You're viewing it in a religious way, not a relational way. So I don't just want you to have a prayer life. I want you to have a life of prayer. I don't want you to just have a, a little devotional time in the morning. You need to have one. I'm not making fun of that. You need to have one. But it needs to not just be a religious thing where I checked off the 15 minutes of prayer and reading my Bible and checked off the box, and I'm just doing it because I'm religious. And I do it because I'm condemned because I feel like God will be mad at me if I don't do it. Not the right reason. I'm doing it because I'm afraid that, that God won't meet my needs if, if I'm not giving him what he needs in the morning. Wrong reason. That's religious. 
And so I don't want you to just have a prayer life. I want you to have a life of prayer. And a life of prayer is relational. A life of prayer means that you do have a prayer time in the morning, but throughout your day, you're talking to God. And in your car, you're talking to God. And at home, you're talking to God. And when you're walking at the park, you're talking to God. Because he's your best friend. And he never leaves you nor forsakes you. So you don't just ignore him half the day because he lives in you. And you realize that God wants to have an ongoing relationship with me. Not just a prayer time in the morning for 15 minutes. Because I'm doing it out of religiousness. He wants a relationship with me. And a relationship takes time. And effort. And intention. And priorities. And it's not just one time in the morning. Now some of you in a relationship, whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband and wife in here, if they were with you all day, you wouldn't just talk to them 15 minutes in the morning, would you? Or somebody's in trouble. (laughs) If they were with you all day, running errands with you, going to eat with you, you spent the day together, and you only talked to them for the first 15 minutes... Somebody's sleeping on the couch. But yet, God is with us all the time. Even more than your spouse is. Even more than your kids are. But we talk to him for 15 minutes and ignore him the rest of our day. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'm not condemning you, but I'm trying to get you to think bigger about your prayer life. Think bigger about your relationship with God. Stop thinking in terms of being religious and checking your box. Or you have to do these certain things so God will meet your needs. Because he's not really a person. He's just your heavenly ATM. He's your heavenly sugar daddy. So you have to meet his needs a little bit, then he meets your needs. That's the way it works. No, that's not a relationship. And so I want you to not just have a prayer life. I want you to have a life of prayer. That prayer is your lifestyle. Prayer is the position of your heart. You don't do it because you're religious. You do it because you're in a relationship. You don't do it out of duty. You do it out of desire. You don't do it out of law, but you do it out of love. Because you actually have a real relationship with God. And you know that he is with you at all times. And he will never leave you or forsake you. That means that you can talk to him at all times. And you should. That means you can have an ongoing fellowship and relationship with God throughout your whole day. Throughout your whole week. Throughout your whole life. And that is the life that I want us to live as a church. A life of prayer. So why pray? What is the purpose of prayer? Now, once again, we're getting to the very simplistic, basic definitions of it. Why do we pray? What is the purpose of prayer? There's many things we could say, but the number one purpose of prayer is a relationship with God. The reason we pray is to have a relationship with God. I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. If you didn't get anything else out of it, 
than a relationship with God. Are you hearing me? The relationship you have with God is the most important thing. If God didn't heal your body, if God didn't give you your provision, if God didn't grant all your wishes like a genie in heaven, if you just had a relationship with God, you would have had fulfilled the purpose of your prayer life. Because the greatest purpose of your prayer life is a relationship with God. God made man for relationship. God did not make us to be robots. He did not make us so he could have someone to rule over. So he could have little slaves on the earth. People he could manipulate and work for him. No, God created mankind for relationship. He created mankind to have a family. He created you for a purpose, and the purpose is for a relationship. And the only way we can have a relationship is prayer. Because prayer is talking to God. The most basic definition of prayer is talking to God. I told you I'm trying to be as simplistic as we can this morning. Because if you don't get the foundation right, it doesn't matter about anything else. So the greatest purpose of prayer is relationship with God. And the most basic definition of prayer is talking to God. You cannot have a great relationship with anyone without great communication. That's why prayer is so vital, because prayer is talking to God. And many of us say, I don't feel like I have a good relationship with God, but do you ever talk to him? I'm not saying, like, just when you get in trouble. Like, do you ever talk to him? Because you know that with every other relationship in your life, you realize you have to have great communication if you want to have a great relationship, but you think, that you and God are different for some reason. You wouldn't believe that in any other relationship you have in your life, but for some reason God is supposed to be different. No, it's no different. A great relationship with God comes from great communication with God. And we communicate with God through prayer. Prayer is talking to God. The Bible uses terms like this. It uses terms like fellowship, communion, All of those terms describe a deep, intimate, personal relationship with God. You know, when the Bible says that in the Old Testament that Adam knew Eve, that's more than they just talked. It meant they had an intimate relationship with each other. But it's interesting in the New Testament, Jesus uses the same word to know God. It's not this superficial, fake relationship. It's a deep, intimate, personal relationship with a living God that everyone could have, not just the spiritual elite or pastors or leaders, but all of us are in the same boat here, and God wants to have an intimate, deep relationship with all of you, but it only comes through prayer. 
You guys getting something this morning? We see in the Old Testament that Adam and Eve, it said they walked with God in the cool of the day. They had a relationship with God. They had a friendship with God. In the Old Testament, it talks about Enoch walked with God, and he was God's friend. Moses, it says that Moses was a friend of God. And that God talked to Moses face to face as a friend talks to a friend. Abraham, who is the father of our faith, it says that Abraham was a friend of God. You see all the prophets of the Old Testament, men and women of God, all had this type of relationship with God as a friendship. Even under an old covenant that didn't have the same rights and privileges as we do in the new covenant. Some of these people were spiritually dead and still were able to have a friendship with God. And we're under a new covenant with better promises and better benefits and better blessings. And we are alive to God. And the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. How much more? Come on now, somebody. Can we have a deep, intimate, personal relationship with God? That we could have a friendship with God. That we could have communion and fellowship with God. And we see that Jesus was the greatest example of this when he came to the earth. He showed us what a real life of prayer looks like. He showed us what an intimate relationship with his father looks like. Everywhere that Jesus went, he was talking to his father. When he went to eat, he was talking to his father. When he walked down the streets and was healing people, he was connecting with his father. It said that when he was in the boat, he was connecting with his father. When he went off to pray for a little while, he was connecting with his father. He showed an ongoing relationship with his heavenly father, a friendship. And he is the example for us on the way our relationships should be with God. An ongoing dependence and relationship with a living God. God wants to be your best friend. God wants to be your best friend more than you want to be his best friend. Yet many of us, by our actions, act like we don't care. You're telling me the God of the universe wants to be your best friend, but yet you don't have time for him. How does that work? The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you, but you don't have enough time for him. The God of the universe wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to him, but yet you don't have time to do that. Hopefully I'm stirring you up this morning. Hopefully I'm challenging you this morning. But you got to realize that God wants to be your best friend. He wants to have that type of relationship with you, and it only comes through prayer because prayer is talking to God. And the greatest purpose you have in this life and for all eternity is a relationship with God. If you don't get that right, nothing 
will ever fulfill you. Nothing will ever satisfy you. No job, no health, no body you worked out in the gym, no food you ate, no music you listened to, no, no art you experienced, no sex you had, no person you had a relationship with. Nothing will ever fulfill you and satisfy you until you get the purpose right. All those things are not bad. They're good. But you got to get the foundation right. Those are all gifts. But there's only one God. So how do you, how do you become a best friend with somebody? Pretty simple. You talk to them all the time. <laughs> that easy. Now, now, you don't have a best friend just because you're the same age. There's a lot of people that are your same age you're not best friends with. You don't have a best friend just because you go to church with them or, or just because you're in the same family as them or you have the same interest. You have a best friend because you've committed to that relationship. You have a best friend because you talk to each other more than you talk to anyone else. And you talk about everything. Are you hearing me this morning? The good the bad, the ugly. And if you don't talk like that to your best friend, they're really not your best friend. Isn't that right? You tell your best friend stuff that you would never tell anybody else. Why? Because they're your best friend. And you trust them. And you have a relationship with them. Same way with God. God wants to be your best friend more than anybody else. And he wants you to talk to him all the time. And he wants you to talk to him about everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. Your struggles, your successes, your victories, your fears. He wants you to talk to him about everything. The thing about God is God knows everything, so you should go ahead and just tell him anyways. Once again, we get religious in our prayer life like God you know, I just love you, and I've been living pure. You're thinking about pornography in your head the whole time. Come on now, somebody. Just tell him what you're already thinking. He already knows it. God would appreciate it if you just said, no, God, I'm feeling lustful right now, and I need your help. Now, if he's your best friend, you can talk to him like that. But we've been taught religion and not relationship. So God wants to be your best friend but how many know it takes two people? Some of us are leaving God hanging with one part of the necklace. Y'all know the BFF necklaces? One, one person's got one heart, one person's got the other. Nally has multiple ones with multiple friends. God's over here hanging a necklace out to you. Hey, would you be my BFF? Please, please, let's be best friends. And you guys are leaving him hanging. The God of the universe. They can actually do something about your life. They could actually help you. They could heal you. They could deliver you. They could give you the peace you're looking for. The joy you're looking for. The relationship and fulfillment you're looking for. And he's just waiting saying, I want to be your best friend because I want you to talk about everything with me. I already know everything, but I want you to talk about everything with me. And I want us to talk all the time. So that's my prayer for you as your pastor. 
in this first foundational series that we would be a church that lives a life of prayer. That we know that our greatest purpose is a relationship with God. And a relationship comes through prayer, which is talking to God. We got to communicate with God. And not just one part of the day, but every part of our day. I love this. Smith Wigglesworth said this about prayer. When he was asked as an older man about his prayer life, many people thought that he prayed for hours and hours at a time. This is what he said. I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time. Now, many people were shocked when he said the first part. But then he said, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. What was the key to Smith Wigglesworth's success? He lived a life of prayer. He had a real relationship with God. So he said, I don't pray necessarily for long hours. I don't pray more than a half an hour. But I never go more than a half an hour without praying. That means checking in with God. Just saying thank you. I love you. I'm thinking about you. Do you realize that God knows your schedule and he knows your responsibilities? I'm not saying neglect everything in your life and pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's not possible. God knows because he made you as a human being. He knows you have to sleep, so you're not going to be praying then. He knows you're going to have to eat. You're not going to be praying then. He knows that a lot of you in here have a husband and wife. You have kids. You have a job. Trust me, he's not expecting from you something that you can't give him back. But he is expecting an ongoing relationship. An ongoing fellowship, an ongoing communion. And like Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time. But I never go more than a half an hour without praying. That's what a relationship with God looks like. And as your pastor, I would challenge you to do the same. In my personal opinion, God would rather you spend 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 5 minutes here, all throughout your day than 3 hours one time on a Saturday a week. Because you have an ongoing relationship and fellowship with Him. So I have an assignment for you this week to try it. Try to talk to God all throughout your day. From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep. Now, if you, if you don't get it all the time, don't condemn yourself. That's not helping you. God's not mad at you. The thing is, God's available to us all the time with open arms, ready to listen ready to hear us, ready to move on our behalf. Even when we ignore him all day, he's not pouting in the corner like we would with our our friend in, in the natural. God's not offended by that. God loves you and he's merciful. But God is available at all times. So I want us to try this as a church family. From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep this next week, try to talk to God as much as you can throughout the day. Now, once again, I'm not talking about hours at a time. You don't have that. 
God knows that. But throughout your day, 10 minutes here, five minutes here on a break, 30 minutes here during lunch, 20 minutes in the afternoon on your drive home. And watch how your relationship with God starts getting better. Because your friendship with God has got to get better. It's got to get stronger. It's got to get deeper. You're going to know God better when you commit to a relationship with him. But you have to give yourself to it. Acts 6 and verse 4. Let's turn there. You guys getting something today? Acts 6 and verse 4, this is the account of the early church, the early believers. Notice what it says, but we will give ourselves continually. Are you seeing that word again? Continually. What does that mean? Ongoing, throughout your day, constantly, praying always, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. But notice what it says first, we will give ourselves to it. Now, this is the biggest dilemma in everyone's life. They want the feelings to come before they do something. In everything in your life, the actions and the obedience will have to come before the feelings. If you want to eat better, come on now. I'm not living this. I'm just saying if we, if we want to eat better. What happens? The actions and the obedience have to come way before the feelings. Because you, if you've been eating Mickey D's and Taco Bell every day, your feelings are way over here. And if you're going to have to get a hold of yourself, you're going to have to give yourself to healthy, healthy eating. And then eventually, the feelings will catch up to it. Working out, same way. You don't want to go work out. But you got to give yourself to it, and the action and the obedience comes first, and then the feelings start coming, and they catch up with it. Same way with your spiritual life. There are things that your spirit really wants to do. Your spirit wants to read the Bible. Your spirit wants to pray, but you're not only a spirit. You have a body and a mind that's trying to keep you away from that. And you also have a spiritual enemy that will do everything he can to keep you out of the word and prayer because he knows that's your greatest connection with God. You ever notice how much resistance some days you find to just reading your Bible and praying? It's not just you. It's because the enemy will do everything he can to keep you away from the things that will bring life to you and connect you with God. You could be fine all day, and as soon as you sit down to read your Bible, you're, you're just suddenly confused and you're distracted and you can't think straight. Where does that come from? You hadn't been hungry all day, but you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich as soon as you sit down to pray. Why does that happen? Because your soul and your body and the enemy wants to do everything they can to keep you out of prayer and the Word. But your spirit wants it. And your spirit craves it. But what do we have to do? We have to give ourselves to the word and to prayer, and then the desires come. Whatever we give ourselves to, the desires will follow. 
So some of you are, are, are with me so far. You're like, that sounds great. Sounds great, Pastor. A life of prayer. I'm for that. Praying all the time. Sounds good. A relationship with God. Sounds even better. But I don't really feel like it a lot of days. Or I don't really know how to do it a lot of days. I don't. Here's your answer. We will give ourselves to him. You got to go all in. You got to go 100% into this relationship if it's going to work. Just like every other important relationship in your life, you got to go all in. And you got to give yourselves to it. And when you give yourselves to it, your desires will follow. When you give yourselves to it, the relationship will get better. When you give yourselves to it, the communication with God will get better. When you give yourselves to it, you will get closer and closer to God. And trust me, the closer you get to God, the more you want to get to God. The the more you talk to God, the more you will want to talk to God. But you got to give yourselves to it. And that's what the early believers said. We will give ourselves to this. Because that's the most important thing. That's the purpose we're here for. And we connect with God through prayer. You're here today. So let's read in James 5, verse 16 in the Amplified. It says, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued, you seen that word again? Continued, ongoing prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Notice that. The continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available. Let's read another verse, Matthew 6, verse 5. You guys still here? Jesus, he says this in the Gospels about prayer. When you pray, he's assuming the best in all of us here. When you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth that this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray... Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So we talked about why to pray and the purpose of prayer. And I'm going to close with how practically to pray. Some practical steps on how to start. I gave you the first one. We just talked about it. Acts 6 and 4. Give ourselves. We will give ourselves to it. You will never develop a prayer life or a life of prayer without giving yourself to it. 
By giving yourselves to it, I'm not talking about a day. <laughs> I tried it, Pastor, and it was really boring and it didn't work out good. That was one day. One day. No, you got to give yourself to it. Now, once again, relationships take time, they take effort, they take intention. The first time you hang out with somebody, it's not fireworks. Sometimes it might not even be a long time you're hanging out, but you got to start somewhere to develop the relationship, to grow in the intimacy, to build that relationship. It's got to take time, but you got to start. And you start by giving yourself to it. That's what we're going to do this next week. We're going to give ourselves to it in a new way, in a fresh way, a life of prayer all day long. We're going to be in communion with God. We're going to be in relationship with God. We're going to talk to him like he's our best friend. We're going to be like Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't pray more than 30 minutes, but I don't go 30 minutes without praying or acknowledging God. Doesn't take long. But you got to give yourself to it. And I wrote three things down after that that I want to talk about that pertain to these verses we read. First is the priority of prayer. Many people say, well, what do I talk to God about? Well, I just told you earlier, but I'm going to tell you again. You talk to God about what you would talk to your best friend about. You talk to God about what's on your mind. You talk to God about what you're thinking about, what you're hoping for, what you're excited about, what you're concerned about. You talk to God like he's your best friend. Without a filter. Being real and honest with him. So what do I talk to God about? Because many people are like, I don't know what to say. Talk to him like you would your best friend. Let's start there. Now in the next few weeks, we're going to get into more things about prayer and different types of prayer and go a little bit deeper. But you need to get this down first. This is the most simplistic way to put it. Tell him everything that you need. Tell him what's going on in your life. Tell him where you need help. Tell him where you're concerned. Talk to him about everything. So it's real simple. What do I talk to him about? Whatever you talk to your best friend about. Next is the posture of prayer. And when I say posture, I'm not talking about whether you're kneeling or standing. I'm talking about the attitude of your heart. And in these verses we just read in Matthew and also James, it talks about the posture of your heart when you pray. And I wrote down a few of these things. The posture of your heart when you pray should be real and not fake. It should be genuine I see from these verses you should come into God's presence humbly but boldly. We see in this passage in James 5, we just read it said, The earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous person avails much. That means when we pray, it should come from our heart. When you see the word earnest or fervent, that talks about it should be passionate. When you're talking to your best friend, do you like 
not getting non-passionate responses? You just told them what was going on in their life. They're like, okay. You say, what's the matter with you? Did you hear what I just said? But we do that to God. We talk like that to God. God says when you pray, it needs to be real. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be earnest and fervent. Those are some strong words. That means you're passionate. You're passionate in what you say to him, and you're passionate about listening to what he's saying to you. None of this, well, God, I thank you for this day, and uh, I love you and appreciate you, and uh, God be with us. Okay, angels, God, okay, thank I did my prayer today. No, that's not prayer. You sound constipated, not passionate. Once again, we wouldn't treat people like that, but we think our relationship with God has different rules. How do you talk to your best friend? You're usually like, hey, what's up? I got to tell you about. Maybe that was just me. Is that just me? When you're excited about something, you're passionate, you're heartfelt, you're fervent. And when somebody tells you, especially your best friend, oh, I got to tell you something. How is your response? Oh, my gosh, I need to listen. What are you going to say? What is the gossip? What is the church on the rock tea you're spilling? I'd love to hear that. You're passionate about your response. Why? Because you're best friends. But yet we talk to God like we're bored and we're tired and he's not a priority. And we listen like we can't hear or we don't want to listen or we're not excited about it. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm trying to challenge you and stir you up. Because that's what God wants. Because he wants a real relationship with you. So heartfelt, passionate, sincere, humble. That's the posture of prayer. Real, genuine, humble. Lastly, the place of prayer. I'm trying to get real practical with a how to start praying today. Now, I believe that 100%, like I shared all throughout the message, that you need to have an ongoing relationship throughout the day with God. Most of us are not in the same place all day. So I know that will change. But still, the idea of finding a quiet, private place to talk to God is still valid. And we need to find and dedicate places to pray. That's what it just said in Matthew 6 and 5 and verse 8. It says, don't pray on the street corner. Don't stand up in your office and pray on your desk. Don't pray with the radio blasting. Don't pray with Netflix on. Don't pray scrolling through social media. Matthew 6, 5 through 8 talks about the place of prayer. And it says, what do you need to do? You need to go away to a quiet place. Is there, is there such a thing in 2020? A quiet place. 
And you know, need to go to a private place. A place without distractions. A place without uh, uh, different things taking your attention and your heart away. And you need to dedicate that to God. And we should have a place of prayer. For me, this is what I do. You want to know what I do? Two people. All right. Passionate in your response this morning. I appreciate it. For me, and I told you this earlier this year, the worst place for me to pray, it's going to be funny to you, is that office. Thinking, Pastor, that's supposed to be the holy of holies in there. That's, that should be the easiest place to pray. I cannot pray in that room. For me, I'm great at studying and reading in a place like that. But for me, I need to get out to pray. I need a private, quiet place without distractions. Now, you got to do what works for you. But for me, sitting in an office or sitting on the couch or sitting in a chair, my mind is running too fast. And I'm too distracted. I can't focus. So for me, the two places I go to pray, I go take drives because it's quiet and it's private. But some reason, when I drive, it helps me to focus on praying. So I take drives all the time out in the country. How do I know all these back roads? I take a lot of drives. But, you know, Dad, Dr. Jacobs, he does the same thing. He takes a lot of drives to pray. That, that's what works best for him. But the other thing I do is I go and walk and I go hike and I pray. For me, that helps me. And that is my place of prayer. Something about walking and talking to God helps me. Helps me focus. Helps me keep my train of thought. Helps me focus in on what God is saying. And I have a really hard time sitting in a chair praying. So you have to find what works best for you. Some of you, it could be a basement. It could be a chair in your living room. could be in your car. It could be going for a walk. It could be all sorts of places. It could be your closet. You know, they used to say prayer closet. That's a reason. People would go in their closet because it was quiet and private and pray. But you need to have places to pray that are quiet once again. And undistracted. You know, just me personally, I like to listen to praise and worship music and pray. Or listen to instrumental music and pray. That helps me. Some people can't listen to anything when they pray. But I had to realize that I was taking my headphones and my phone every time I went for a walk or a hike to pray. And you know what happens when you take your phone to pray. You get distracted. And isn't it just like the devil? No one wants to talk to me all day long. But as soon as I go to the park to take a walk to pray, oh, I'm the most popular man in southern Indiana. I got DMs and Instagram. I got text messages and phone calls. Everyone is trying to get a hold of me when I go to pray. It's not by accident. Distractions come. So I had to learn 
Don't take my phone when I pray. Don't take my headphones when I pray. I need to be quiet, I need to be private, and I need to pray. Now, that's what helps me. you got to find out what helps you. We're all different in here. God made us all different in here. There's certain places that are good for you to pray, but you need to have a place of prayer. So once again, we need the priority of prayer. Tell God what you need. Tell him everything. Talk to him like your best friend. The posture of prayer, that's our heart. Be real, be genuine, be humble, be passionate. In the place of prayer, we need a private, quiet, intentional place to talk to God. Did you guys get something this morning? Well, let me pray for you today. Father, we just love you today. And we thank you for this new series about a life of prayer. We thank you for your word that speaks to us. Father, I pray over this church family right now that this week we would start a new life of prayer, a new lifestyle of prayer. I pray for everyone this week that we would think about you all day long, that we would talk to you ongoingly throughout our day, that we would start to have a greater relationship, a greater fellowship with you. Father, I pray that these people today would be stirred in their hearts to pray more than they ever had before. Father, I believe as a church family, like the book of Acts says, that we will give ourselves to it. I'm believing that our church, we're going to give ourselves to prayer and to the word like never before. Father, help us to be sincere when we pray. Help us to be real. Help us to be heartfelt. Help us to find what's best for us to find a place of prayer for our lives. I pray, Father, we're going to grow during this series. We're going to develop during this series. Father, our prayer life and most importantly, our relationship with you, it's going to get stronger. It's going to get better. And I believe that Church on the Rock will be known to be a praying church. That the people at Church on the Rock are, are prayerful people. They know how to pray. They know their God. They have a strong relationship with him. I believe Today, that not just the older people in our church that have experienced God, but everyone from the young to the old would be refreshed and renewed in their desire to pray. That our relationship with God would grow. That no matter how long we have known you or known about you, God, that there's new things to know. There's new things to experience. There's a greater level of intimacy with you, God. Father, I believe that over your people today. Anybody believe that this morning? I believe that this morning. That, Father, we are entering the greatest season of prayer as a church we've ever seen. We love you today, and we thank you today for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.